This is Ryan Bell from Year Without God. And listen, folks, please, please, I implore you, never, ever listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome one and all. Thank you for joining us on this 153rd episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me as frustrated as any human being can be based on traffic and parking, my lovely co-host, yet frazzled, Brittany Page. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yes, most certainly. Okay, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a regular fixture yeah, on the show. It should be. I want you to talk about, just to maybe as a, as a, a mechanism of catharsis, mm-hmm. for you to release this tension that you have Mm -hmm. for the audience who might not know we have picked up several 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 new listeners over the course of the last few days my lovely co-host Brittany Page is a graduate student at a Southern California University studying she's getting her master's in clinical psychology Mm -hmm. so she's supposed to be or you would think one studying this this science, you're getting your MS. Oh, a perfect saint, right? Well, With all be, the right answers. Well, you'd be mindful uh, and right. you know, relaxed mm. and in touch. Mm. And what happens is, is you're tried every <laughs> single day of your school career because there is far less parking than there are students that need to park. Yeah, there's also... A, an extreme level of ineptitude. <laughs> on your part? No, <laughs> on the part of anyone who uses the parking structure at my university. Oh, that's right. You, you Somehow there's been a system developed and devised where people wait in their cars and when people come off the elevator to go, get, go to their car to leave, mm-hmm. the person, there's a line of cars, the person follows the person walking to their car mm-hmm. and then there's like a... You know, like a, a little unsaid thing that's exchanged and the person gets in the, you know, the spot, gets the spot. Right. It's not a written code. And I guess that's that's where the confusion comes in. Is that where the rage ensues? Yes, because I was sitting in line and I mean, I have to get to class if I'm there for the afternoon. I need to get there, you know, an hour and a half early to ensure that I can find a parking spot. And that's right, maybe right. just my neuroticism to ensure that I won't be late to class. You don't like cutting it close because it stresses you out. Right. But, you know, there's this code where if you're coming off the elevator and it's there's a, a code. there's a line of cars waiting for you, you know, here here's what I do. I come off the elevator. <laughs> Let's paint a picture, everybody. This is the perfect model for what to do. All right. I come off the elevator. I see a car in line. I pick the first person. I say, I'm leaving. I point to where my car is. I go to my car. If another person on the way asks me, hey, are you leaving? I say, no, because I've already selected who's going to be taking my spot. And it was the person waiting in front of the line. The first person in line. Right. Yeah. And I wait for them to 
come to the back of the car. So when does the system break down? When it just becomes this <laughs> haphazard free-for-all <laughs> and people are just pulling in, cutting in front of the line, just asking you know, someone that's already waiting if, if, if they're leaving. If you cannot already tell, Brittany Page is a lady who likes order. And there's also people who... She does not like chaos. There's people who do not get it together when they're waiting in line. They they don't get to get... No, someone will come off the elevator and they'll be waiting in line. They'll be the first car in line and that's their person and they won't go after them. Well, these are the same people who are on their phones texting at a left turn red light (laughs) that only lasts for three cars to get through. Right. And then as soon as it turns honking because it's turning yellow, then they go and then everybody else behind them gets screwed and doesn't get to go. Yeah. And here's the deal. With each minute that passes, we're closer to dying. And <laughs> wow, I, you just brought it right there. huh? And I do not like spending any more time than I have to on the road, <laughs> in my vehicle, fighting for a parking spot, whatever it might be. You're you're in your mid-twenties and you're already so in tune <laughs> with your mortality. You are very mature. Yeah, so what ended up happening in the parking garage the other day is, you know, the car that was first in line, I was third in line, and they passed up on probably three people walking to their car. Three chances that they could have, they had to follow this person, these people, to their vehicles and take their parking spots. And so finally, I started honking and yelling, hey, they're yours. That's yours. Follow them. You weren't yelling like angry yelling. No. You're you're yelling informatively. Yeah, I'm trying to (laughs) instruct them. Because I think maybe, I think it's kind of an awkward thing for people to be like, hey, are you leaving? If the person is just ignoring you. I don't know. We were in the parking lot at Best Buy the other day. And that guy was... He was driving, and I'm like, hey, are you looking for a place to park? And he looked at me like I was, why is, the, why is this giant bearded freak talking to me? Yeah. And I said, well, I'm, I'm parked right here. If you, Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, then they're always shocked by, what? why is this person being so nice and right. helpful and kind? What's, I don't... what's in it for him? Right. <laughs> is he trying to get me to his car so he can murder me? What's going on? Maybe it's just a Southern California thing, because... The same thing happened when we talked about it last episode about the the lady, the old lady at Costco. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the hot dog area thought that I was ready to either murder her or some sinister plan was was afoot. Well, there's definitely an attitude in Southern California where you mind your own business, right? It's not really like a friendly area where people talk to you and, oh, hey, how are you doing? It's If someone starts talking to you, there's kind of this attitude of, um, why are you talking to right. me? Well, it's not as bad as like New York City, but it's certainly yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly, similar. It's there, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that you're you seem less stressed than you have been in past semesters, mm-hmm. and that's good. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we move on, we've got a little housekeeping to do. First of all, I'll drop the phone number to the voicemail line six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. That is where you call to leave a fewer than three minute voicemail. If you don't like the thought of leaving a voicemail and having it be out there for the universe, you can rehearse and send us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. The other pieces of housekeeping that I wanted to cover was, one, the drop at the beginning of the show is the Ryan Bell, one of the Ryan Bell drops that we have when he was here in studio, 
And uh, we're going to have to retire that because he says, this is Ryan Bell from Year Without God. And that's that's not right. That is not correct. Because he is no longer Year Without God. Mm-hmm. He's now officially Life After God. Yes, he started a podcast, yeah. and it's called Life After God. He's also doing some consulting work under that name, he's, right? He's Yeah, he's got a pretty slick website mm-hmm. developed, and there's the Facebook page, and he's on Twitter, Our Life After God. Not like our, but you and me, our. <laughs> and so the podcast is dedicated, obviously, to exploring kind of that transition period. Yeah, that space between belief and... An unbelief to kind of steal his his catchphrase. Yes. But it's great. I think it's going to be an awesome thing. He's certainly capable and qualified to talk about those topics. And it will be something that you should definitely go on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts to check out. iTunes just is, you know, it's the, the default for me. So. And now we need a new drop. We need a new drop. So maybe we'll have to get him back in studio to have a wine-a-thon episode extraordinaire like we did last time mm-hmm. that would be great yes so ryan i know you you never listen to the show but since you're listening come on let's let's uh let's do something the other thing is we would like to thank and this is not a commercial for patreon but i would like to send a sincere thank you to our latest patrons jared and dan thank you very very much for joining the i doubt it with dollamore team and Pledging your support through patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. <laughs> yes, thank you. And thank you to Dan, who has been leaving some great voicemails yes, about has. Donald Trump. He has a, a bee in his bonnet. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, so we really appreciate it so, so much. We, we just, we can't say enough. All right, let's get to a little follow-up. It uh, It's the, the gift that just keeps on giving. Kim Davis was confronted yet again by an LGBT couple in her office, Rowan County, Kentucky clerk's office, where there was a little back and forth and a large group was there to witness and record the goings on. The appeal stay denied. Mm-hmm. I'm right. You said the order that you're supposed to issue marriage licenses. And we're not issuing marriage licenses today. Based on what? I would ask you all. Why are you not issuing marriage licenses today? Because I'm not. Under his authority, are you not issuing marriage licenses? The lawyers tell you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I pay your salary. I pay your salary. I pay you to discriminate against me right now. That's what I'm paying for. That's what I'm paying for. I'm paying for this memory with my partner that I love that I've been with for 17 years. What's the longest you've been with someone that you've been married to someone? No. I'm asking you to leave. I'm not leaving. Okay, you all I'm asking you to I'm push back away. You all are looking to stay. Just push back away from the counter. No. We're not leaving until we have a license. We're not leaving then until you're going to have Do your day. job. Well, then call the police. Do your job. I'll ask them to arrest you. Do your job. Call the police. Do your call the police. I'll ask them to arrest you. Do your job. You should be ashamed of yourself. Got a little testy. Got a little heated there in Rowan County, Kentucky. Well, it's not surprising. 
I am, um, I don't know, maybe it's just my prejudice showing a little bit, but I'm, I'm surprised that they were able to, to gather such support. Now, you always think of Kentucky and, of course, you know. Yeah, me, Kim Davis. I'm not going to issue you marriage license, homos. That's, that's just naturally what I think about Kentucky or, you know, even deeper into the South. But it seems there's a contingent of progressive people who are on board with the marriage equality ruling. Right. And you're right to kind of think that it's it's strange that they were getting so much support because uh, Kim Davis is one of three of the 120 county clerks in Kentucky that are refusing to give licenses. Right. And like we talked about last time, she's been in this job for 30 years. For over three decades, she's been in this job. And Kentucky's not the only state. It's also happening in uh, Alabama, where mm-hmm. the chief justice of the state Supreme Court has encouraged judges <laughs> to defy the United States Supreme Court on the issue, and at least 11 probate judges are refusing to grant right. licenses. Judge Roy Moore, who back in the early 2000s had a kerfuffle relative to the the Ten Commandments on state property and also obviously took the wrong <laughs> the wrong position then, too. So I kind of want to go through this a little bit, um, just a little bit of a timeline. So on June 26th, as everyone knows, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of marriage equality. And what ensued was this whole fiasco with Kim, Kim Davis and Casey Davis, the guy who says he will fight and die to protect his right to discriminate against gays and lesbian couples. And in the days that followed... There have been a lot of investigation and a lot of digging into the history of Kim Davis. And this is kind of what I want to talk about, Brittany. And I think everyone will be a little interested in this because people are going to, they're coming down on both sides of this. Even people who are pro-marriage equality are, are very uncomfortable with how her personal details, and we'll get to that now, the fact that she's been married four times. Four times. Talk about the sanctity of marriage. Uh, the fact that she's been married four times, is it bothers people, even liberals and progressives, that her personal details are being drugged out into the open. Yeah, someone on Facebook today posted a series of tweets and said that it kind of illustrates how they feel about Kim Davis's personal life, sure. appearance, marital history being discussed. Well, I, listen, part of that, I believe, is true for me. The appearance the, part. There's no need to talk about her appearance. Right. It, it, it matters not at all. It doesn't matter if she looks like Cindy Crawford or looks like Roseanne Barr or anything in between. She's Her appearance doesn't matter. It doesn't have any bearing on what we're talking about. Those are very dated examples of what women look like, too. <laughs> So someone someone was responding to a tweet that said, it's still bullying when you punch down at someone does something you don't like slash agree with for unrelated reasons. I know that Twitter only has 140 characters, but there could have been additional yeah, words. In God that damn. Um, Get so it together. This person said that last retweet is why I've been particularly bothered by the dragging out of her marriages and dalliances. Her position may be hypocritical, but the delight with which a lot of people have approached reporting every detail of her personal life is 
sickening. And I totally get and understand that reaction. Hypocrisy is really frustrating and damaging and just ugh. But I have trouble with the idea that once someone is thrust into the national spotlight, they must go through presidential level vetting. Anger is valid. Her position is ridiculous. But let's not perpetuate judgment on a woman's sexual life because it's convenient. And that's that part of that is what I want to talk about. Because that smacks to me of she's a woman, I'm a woman, so I'm going to support anything. So I'm going to be against this this attack on her just because she's also a woman. And this, Are you getting that too or is that just me? Um, is that my implicit bias coming out? No, I, I think that's I think that's correct because I don't think it's a judgment on a woman's sexual life. I don't think anyone is saying, oh, Kim Davis, you were married four times. Right. I think it's, oh, Kim Davis, you were married four times and you don't want to let homosexuals get married. Well, because if Casey Davis, if the same same circumstance surrounded Casey Davis, I would be just as outraged. And the reason is because there are many scriptures in the Bible, even where Jesus himself spoke, that talk about if you... If you divorce your spouse for any other reason than a, than infidelity, you're committing adultery. And it says in the Bible that adultery is an abomination. So she has divorced four times. That's adultery. Adultery is an abomination. Well, you know the other thing that's an abomination? Homosexuality in the Bible is called an abomination. So she is a four-time serial abominator if you will, <laughs> quote, quote, unquote. And uh, she's sitting there on high in judgment, not allowing people to get marriage licenses. When she's had four. When she's had four herself. Mm-hmm. Four of them. And I think that's why the couple that was attempting to get a marriage license said, we've been together for 17 years. How long? What's the longest you've been with someone? Yeah. Because it was kind of a dig on her. And it's a justifiable accusation. It's a justifiable thing to bring up. Right. Because, you know, I don't and I want to reiterate that I don't think anyone is saying, oh, look at Kim Davis. She's been married four times. You know, what a failure or whatever. They're saying, look at look at Kim Davis, who's been married four times and is standing in judgment over other people and trying to dictate who can be married and what an appropriate marriage is. Right. She's not allowing this beautiful gay couple even one marriage license while she has four under her belt. There's this is it's not just smacking of hypocrisy like oh that that kind of smacks of some bad stuff. This is terrible in your face bullshit. Well, and that's why people are digging it up, right? Because they're trying to expose the hypocrisy. And it's similar to when the judge released the deposition information that was previously sealed in the Bill Cosby case. Yeah. The judge said... Very similar. Yeah, good point. The judge said, I'm releasing this because Bill Cosby has been giving lectures to young black men on how they should lead their lives. He's, He's being a moralizing figure. And here's the deposition where he admitted to obtaining quaaludes to have sex with women. Yeah. Awesome. Was it inappropriate for the judge to release that information? Is it inappropriate for people to be digging up this stuff about Kim Davis? I think there's a lot of similarity between those cases. And if you have one opinion on one of them, it should probably match with the other case. If you're being intellectually honest, it should. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, it's looking like tomorrow we're going to have a ruling on whether or not 
She has misconduct charges filed against her by some court in Kentucky, the way I understand it. I don't know exactly. The district court judge, David L. Bunning, has set a hearing for Thursday on whether to find Miss Davis in contempt of court. He could levy fines against her as long as she continues to refuse to issue marriage licenses. He also has the power to jail her for contempt, but the plaintiffs in the case against her are not asking for that. So they're not asking for her to be jailed. They just want their goddamn marriage licenses. They just want her to do her job. And the New York Times did a really great write-up with some questions here that the most popular questions that they find that people are asking. One of them is, doesn't Miss doesn't Ms. Davis's freedom of religion come into play? Of course, it's Miss Davis's. It's not, uh, you know, because it's Mr. Obama. Yes. It's Mr. Bush. Senior Bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the federal courts do not think so. Quote, the state is not asking her to condone same-sex unions on moral or religious grounds, nor is it restricting her from engaging in a variety of religious activities. Her religious convictions cannot excuse her from performing the duties she took an oath to perform. That is right. And like I've said on the show before, if she worked in the DMV, she could not refuse to issue a driver's license to someone who drives a beer truck for a living just because she's against drinking and holds that to be a deeply held religious conviction. That's not the way it works. So another popular question that people are asking is, can she be fired? The New York Times says, in a sense, yes, but it is unlikely to happen and it would take a while. The county clerk is an elected official and she cannot be removed from office by any local officials or by any state official acting alone. She can be ousted by the state legislature, but that is an extremely rare occurrence and neither the law nor court rulings offer much guidance on what constitutes grounds for removal. In a conservative state, Miss Davis is likely to find considerable support among lawmakers. It's strange that they don't have a recall process or even impeachment proceedings that could be um, initiated. Well, the state house where Democrats outnumber Republicans 54 to 46, they could impeach her akin to an indictment. She's a Democrat, by, by the way. Interesting. By a simple majority (laughs) vote, the Senate, which Republicans control 27 to 11, would try her and a conviction would require a two thirds vote. Mr. Brashear has said he would not call a special legislative session. So any impeachment bid would have to wait until the legislature convenes again in January. Right. And that that does what you just described is an impeachment proceeding. That's they may not call it that, but that's what it is. So we will see. I mean, are there any other questions that the New York Times covered that we should? Uh, is there any other way to remove her? The New York Times says yes, but it would not be easy. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> <laughs> she could be removed if she were convicted of a crime, and some of her critics have said she should be charged with official misconduct, which is a misdemeanor. The county attorney citing a conflict of interest referred that question to the office of the state attorney general, Jack Conway. Mr. Conway, a Democrat running for governor, is unlikely to relish having that political no grenade shit. handed That's to him. Rock in the boat if you're running for governor. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, um, something needs to be done because she is not serving well the her constituency, the voters and the citizens of Rowan County, Kentucky. So I like to torture myself by reading the... <laughs> Let me guess, comments on... Yeah. 
<laughs> on like popular news media, like Man. on Time articles, you know, just like the general public commenting on news articles. I do not. And I do not do that because that is unwashed masses. I saw someone comment, you know, why why can't they just go to a different county, right? That's always the argument you hear. Right. And someone commented, I don't know the exact comment, but it was something to the effect of, yeah, why couldn't those blacks just go to a different drinking fountain? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And it's it, it was a great argument, and it's so powerful. It is. And actually, you know, when you think about it, why couldn't those blacks just go to a different drinking fountain? All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. All right. But it's a good, that's a good example. Yeah, of course it is. And it's very analogous. I mean, it's... It, it parallels exactly because the same arguments that are being get used against marriage equality were being used against blacks during segregation and during Jim Crow and during slavery. It's the same old bullshit that's backed up by the Bible. Well, and by the way, when you watch that video of her and they're saying on whose authority and she, she looks at them and says God's authority. With a hateful look on her face. I mean, she looks so angry in that moment i mean her face changes to this it's almost just like a fuck you god's authority it's like disgust though it's like a look of disgust like god's authority terrible all right let's move on before i lose my mind so fox news (laughs) i might just mix that together and not hit have to hit two different buttons Mm mm-hmm Fox News, Elizabeth Hasselbeck from their morning show, Fox and Friends, had some super wise questions to ask a conservative black guy that they had on their show, and he is an anti-Black Lives Matter guy. I mean, he's probably, he does think Black Lives Matter, but he's not an organized Black Lives Matter person. In fact, I think he's opposed to their, their organization. And she asked a very... Odd question that uh, we're going to talk about. Minnesota, hours after Texas Deputy Darren Goforth was executed uh, in Texas. So what's going on in our country? Starting us right now to react is the executive director of Blacksphere, Kevin Jackson. Kevin, your reaction to Friday's events followed by Saturday's events. Well, the Friday events were tragic and uh, certainly a, a stain on the nation. Saturday is pretty much... Uh, par for the course these days, Brian. Uh, if you recall, they, they had the same chant a while back when another officer was killed. Or, and then, of course, we've had the, uh, the officer that got beat up on camera and they filmed him. So it's, the unfortunate thing is this is the Black Lives Matter movement, which uh, can only be described as nonsense, is creating a lot of this type of thing around the country. Sure. And it's going to backfire, quite honestly. Kevin, why has the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, not been classified yet as a hate group? Uh-huh. I mean, how much more has to go well, in this direction before someone actually labels it as such? Oh, wh- wait, what? Are, what? Why has the Black Lives Matter movement not been designated or classified as a hate group? That's, uh, I got nothing. Yeah, and they're discussing the death of police officers and trying to insinuate uh, that the Black Lives Matter movement is advocating as a whole right. the death of police officers. Here, here's my point on this. When 
when r- racist allegations were levied against the Tea Party and Fox News largely stood up and defended the Tea Party and said, no, if that is happening, it is one or two or three small pockets of individuals or single individuals. It is not the group itself. And that was supposed to pass as the way it was. Well, if this is the case with Black Lives Matter and there are some assholes in the group, you can't indict the entire group as a whole. So people are saying that this same type of argument was used against Martin Luther King Jr. He was criticized for inciting hatred and violence. Right. Which, of course, he did not. Right. But it's listen, when you're grasping at straws, all you're going to produce is straws. You know, it's they, they don't have anything substantive to offer up as an argument. Well, and what I'm wondering is if Elizabeth ha- is if Elizabeth Hasselbeck um <laughs> I don't know why that name is so difficult to say. I'm wondering, you know, did they report on the KKK that was holding protests about the Confederate flag? Did they report on that and discuss the KKK as a hate group? I wish uh, actually I'm saying this tongue in cheek because I do not wish, but I you know, I wish I watched a little bit more Fox and Friends in the morning to know that answer, but I don't, sadly. Sadly, it's not on my my regimen of morning TV, Brittany Page. Well, I, I would make the assumption that the answer would be no. <laughs> I'm going to go with a no on right. that one. All right, well, let's move on. Let's stay with the Fox News. <laughs> It's it's not as funny without Mariah Carey additionally. <laughs> You're right. It's not. All right. Well, uh, Harris Faulkner is an anchor over there at Fox. And oh, is she blonde? No, she's actually not blonde. Oh. Oddly enough. Wait, what? No, because I've seen this meme. The meme going around with like the 16 blonde anchors? Yeah, I've seen the meme, and, and that meme says that Fox News only hires the blondes. Oh, yeah. Well, so. she's not only not blonde, she's not white. What? Yeah, weird. Oh, come on now. So so Harris Faulkner is suing. Goddamn. When I read this headline, I had to go double source it because it seemed... So ridiculous of a headline. I thought for sure it's a goof. I did. And it's not. It's it's a real story. She's suing Hasbro for $5 million. She's suing Hasbro. All right, one more time. She's suing Hasbro, the toy company, for $5 million because they've made a My Little Pony character. And this is the part that I don't understand either. They've made a My Little Pony character named Harris Faulkner. It's actually a toy that's a part of the Little Pet Shop line. Oh, that's right. Little Pet Shop. Yeah, Little Pet Shop. Sorry, I'm not up on my on my little girl's toys. And it's a toy hamster, and it has her name. It, th- the name of the toy hamster is Harris Faulkner. <laughs> um, but she's also claiming that this toy hamster has her look. What? Really? Yeah, she believes that it, it also has her look. Hmm, okay. So, well, I think she's looking for a $5 million payday. So she says the toy wrongfully appropriates her name and persona, 
Her persona? Yeah, harms her professional credibility as a journalist <laughs> and no, is I an insult. No, I think that's Fox News. Go ahead. Sorry. It's an insult. Yes. And the lawsuit says, quote, Hasbro's portrayal of Faulkner as a rodent is demeaning and insulting. <laughs> oh, goddamn. That is awesome. The, the Her- rodent. Oh, <laughs> the filthy vermin. The Harris Faulkner toy was introduced in 2014, according to the lawsuit, and was sold in a package along with a terrier named Benson Detweiler. Other toys in the popular line include animals named Pancakes Watkins, Puffball <laughs> Petrovisky, and Pepper Clark. Well, where's the Jesse Dollimore? The Jesse Dollimore gerbil or rodent or weasel or whatever. I, I feel like I need to launch my own website or, or lawsuit, as it were, um, asking where my 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 rodent is. Right. Well, that Harris Faulkner is kind of out of place with all these other names. Pancakes, Watkins, Pepper Clark, Puffball. I mean, it's kind of out of place yeah. with all those names. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it warrants a lawsuit, but it is odd that Hasbro would name their gerbil toy the same name as a real person who is a notable person. It's like not like nobody in the Hasbro lineup relative to their employees in their creative department doesn't watch Fox News. Not one single person doesn't know who who Harris Faulkner is. Okay, and I'm going to say this is the part that I disagree with. Her lawsuit says, in addition to sharing her name, the toy bears a physical resemblance to Faulkner's <laughs> traditional appearance, including its complexion, eye shape, and eye makeup design. This is a toy rodent, and it has those giant cartoon eyes. Yeah, like way oversized, crazy, like anime type of eyes. Yeah, and it has, you know, giant looking eyelashes and thick eyeliner. But don't all those toys kind of look like that? Yeah, it's not. It, there's no resemblance at all. Anyway, all right. Let's uh, let's 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 move this train along. Support for I doubt it with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. And if you would like to have access to our debate breakdown episodes that we are going to be doing like we did for this last uh, debate, you will need to be a Patreon subscriber. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, 7 or 8 or $10 an episode. It could be, you know, $0.25, $0.50 cents a dollar an episode. Whatever you can afford, you can set the monthly limit. And we would love to have you on board to talk about the debate that is coming up the 16th of September on CNN. All right, let's get to some politics. Speaking of the debate... Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Some good stuff going on. Carly Fiorina is about as happy as it gets right now. She's been throwing a fit for about a week or two uh, under the, the, the assumption that she wasn't going to make the cut for this coming up September 16th debate on CNN. And that looks like it has changed. CNN announced uh, last evening that we were amending our criteria for the second presidential debate. Um, 
what it does, it's a little complicated. Actually, it's not that complicated, if you, depending on how you look at it. But what, the change will most likely allow Carly Fiorina a place on the debate stage. She was doing a radio interview with Meghan McCain, and Meghan McCain and Carly Fiorina were about to talk about her outrage at CNN and her outrage at the Republican <laughs> National Committee. When Carly Fiorina, in mid-interview, says she got a text, you have to listen to this priceless moment. Literally, as we're speaking, I just got a text that CNN has amended their GOP debate criteria. Shut up! Does that mean you're going to be on the debate stage? Uh, I'm not sure what, what's more fun there. Carly Fiorina reacting on the fly, good for her, and uh, she said very nice diplomatic things about CNN, and she's most likely going to be on the stage. Or Meghan McCain, who now that's two presidential candidates. We know Meghan McCain is told to shut, shut up, up, one being her right. dad. <laughs> Back in the day. different than sit down and shut up, though, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so what are we to make of this? There may be 11 podiums on our debate stage next month. There may be 10. It all depends how things sort out. But the amended rules is essentially to deal with the Carly Free Arena sort of was the slingshot candidate out of the junior varsity or the second tier debate the first time. And until yesterday, was unclear whether she'd get that spot. Well, it's certainly something the party wants. They want a more diverse uh, debate right. stage. They want a woman on that stage, particularly given that Hillary Clinton still seems likely to be the Democratic nominee. So they're happy about it. And, you know, it makes for a better debate. So I think we're all happy about it. So good job, CNN. I mean, this really is a problem. You know, it's a unique problem to having right. such a crowded field, which is how exclusive right. do you be? And, you know, this is a decision to include a female candidate who's fairly dynamic and, and has generated a lot of interest. Fairly dynamic and has generated a lot of interest. How how lackluster could she could her response been be? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the deal: is goddamn. There's too many Republican candidates in the race. Having ten or eleven uh, participants in the Republican primary debate is too many. It's too many. It's unmanageable. Nothing gets addressed. Nothing gets talked about of any substance. So if she's an 11th member, she shouldn't be there. If she is a 10th member, I'm, while not happy, would be okay with that. Well, because even on the, the main debate stage for the Fox News debate, there were 10 people. Yeah. And uh, Chris Christie has said that he went, I think, 20 questions without being asked a question. Yeah, yeah. And that's not very equitable. It's not. And also, it just, nothing gets addressed. It's just, it's a shit show. It, it should be at the very most eight candidates. Anyway, we're, we're talking about what's not going to be. So let's not waste our breath. But good for her if she makes the stage. She did make some waves when she was in the B-team debate. And we wait to see what she does uh, in this upcoming. So Jeb Bush in Iowa has a new anti-Donald Trump television ad. And it is a doozy. City of Manhattan all my life, okay? So, you know, my views are a little bit different than if I lived in Iowa. Partial birth abortion. I'm very pro-choice. I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes. As far as single payer, it works in Canada. It works incredibly well in Scotland. But the fact is that 25% for high-income people, it should be raised substantially. Who would you like representing the United States in a deal 
with Iran, with this regime there? Well, I think Hillary would do a good job. Uh, Hillary Clinton, I think, is a terrific woman. I mean, I'm a little biased because I've known her for years. Yeah, I know her very well. She's very talented. and she... I live in New York. She lives in New York. And I've known her and her husband for years, and I really like them both a lot. Do you identify more as a Democrat or a Republican? Well, you'd be shocked if I said that in many cases I probably identify more as a Democrat. Why are you a Republican? I have no idea. I lived in New York City and Manhattan all my life, okay? So, you know, my views are a little bit different than if I lived in Iowa. What a beautiful way to end a television spot in Iowa than have that be the sentence. (laughs) That I've lived in Manhattan and New York all of my life, so it shouldn't be shocking or whatever he said, to know that I think a little bit differently than if I was raised in Iowa. Yeah. And that is awesome. Also, that w- that statement wasn't made when he was, you know, 22. Yeah, he's a grown-ass man. Yeah, he... I mean, he's younger when he said that, but... Right. He's still 40, 45, yeah. 50. Yeah. <laughs> when there's less evolving. Exactly. I mean, how much are you going to change? Here's the deal with the guy who changes his opinion so much as an adult. It's once he gets into the presidency, which God forbid that this asshat gets in <laughs> to office. But when he does get in, what's he going to change once, once he gets there? Because it seems he changes his opinion and his party affiliation like he changes his socks. He is 69 years old. All right. So he was older than 50 years old when those comments were made. Mm-hmm. Come on. You don't change that drastically. Goddamn. Well, if this little nugget doesn't do some damage to him relative to his support, Donald Trump I'm talking about, then I don't know what's going to. Despite everything else that Donald Trump has said, this kind of rises to a different level. He tells Jeb Bush, not directly to Jeb Bush, but in, a, in an interview or in the media, he says that Jeb Bush should be speaking English while he's in America, which is a dig because Jeb Bush speaks fluent Spanish mm-hmm. and has a Mexican wife mm-hmm. and is very close to the, 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 the Mexican culture. I read that when he was the governor of Florida, he would give the emergency state alerts in both English and Spanish. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, which, listen, it would be a beautiful thing to have a president that's not just like dumbass Jesse, dumb guy, can only speak one language. That would be great. Right. I think it's a beautiful thing that we have John Kerry, who speaks fluent French. Yes. That, that is awesome. It's cultured. It's intelligence. It's education. Less useful than Spanish, but you know, that's okay. Or would you rather have a president whose go-to word is, ah, tremendous. <laughs> Believe me. Believe me, I'll be tremendous. Everybody likes me. Ugh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he'll be the best for women. The best. I'll, the best. I'm the best. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That was Donald Trump. We figured it out. Yeah. What do you think about that, Donald? <laughs> do you, uh, what are your feelings on Jeb Bush right now speaking Spanish in some of his ads? <laughs> oh, yes. That is exactly right. I couldn't have said it any more succinctly. Thank you. Thank you, Donald Trump. All right. Well, moving on. We have talked about 538 and they're prognosticating that they do at the hands of Nate Silver. 
and other people that work there. Sure, sure, but <laughs> they are they are genius statistical analyzers, and they just wrote an article based on something that they wrote previously about the Bernie Sanders surge, and this article's title is "We Got Burned," right. and burned is like Bernie. Burned. Mm -hmm. Like feel the burn. Yeah, feel the burn. All right, go ahead. So it's written by Harry Entim, and he says, A few weeks ago, I wrote a piece headlined, quote, The Bernie Sanders surge appears to be over. The article, and more emphatically the headline, argued that Sanders' rapid ascent in the presidential primary polls had slowed or stopped in polls of New Hampshire and Iowa, at least based on the polls we were seeing at the time. Ever since then, he's being harassed on Twitter right, by right. Bernie Sanders' followers. Sure, sure. Which is a loyal, fired-up group. Right. And they've been tweeting him. He says sometimes kindly, sometimes not after every new poll that showed their candidate doing well. And guess what? They sort of have a point. Although his gains may not be as great as before, polls in August showed Sanders continuing to pick up support in New Hampshire. The situation in Iowa is less clear, but the fundamentals of the race haven't changed very much. In particular, Sanders has shown little sign of winning over votes from African Americans or Hispanics, which would limit his growth as the race moves on to more racially diverse states. Here's, here's what they don't talk about, and this is why I would say that Bernie Sanders is continuing the surge and why it's not as stark a, a, a rise in the polls as it once was. And, and that is the fact that during the month of August, there has been a precipitous fall in the popularity and in the polls of Hillary Clinton based on her scandals. Well, they do actually talk about that. Oh, what? I thought I had a genius point, a genius thought. Why didn't you... That is terrible. I thought I was all... Oh, I got all this new... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking on my feet. I'm thinking all ready to go. And you then, weren't. <laughs> you, you didn't. I was not at all. So Sanders picked up the pace in August and support for Hillary Clinton has slowly dropped. <laughs> Just like you said. God damn it. And here are the monthly averages. So do you want to do Iowa or New Hampshire? Let's do Iowa first because, you know, we've been playing the commercials. Okay. So for Iowa in May... Clinton had 57% in Iowa, and Sanders only had 16%. Oh, wow. Okay. In June, Clinton went down to 51%, while Sanders went up to 29%. In July, Clinton had 49%, and Sanders went down slightly to 25%. Now, in August, Clinton is at 47%, and Sanders is at 27%. Okay. So, so things are becoming more equitable. Right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's not a crazy... Increase, no. though. The no. surge that they're talking about is pretty minor relative to his her dominance. Right. Although she has lost 10 percentage points right. in and four months. He, right. And he's picked up mm -hmm. about that much. Yeah. 11. Yeah. About that much. <laughs> okay. Listen, any chance that you get to shit on me, I understand that you want to jump on that opportunity. Okay, so... But, you know, yeah, take it easy. So in New Hampshire, Clinton in May had 62%, while Sanders had 18%. Now in August, Clinton has 37%. Uh, 62 to 37%. Wow. And Sanders went from 18 to 44%. Keeping in mind also for our geographically challenged listeners and also our, our our faithful northern european australian brazilian and just general outside of the united states fans new hampshire is a state that borders vermont his home state so he's going to be picking up a lot of support just based on the fact that they are familiar 
with his politics. So Harry Enten, the author of this article, yeah. still says that Bernie Sanders hasn't made any inroads with non-white voters, in particular black voters, a crucial wing of the Democratic coalition, and whose support was a big part of President Obama's toppling of Clinton in the 2008 primary. Not only are African-Americans the majority of Democratic voters in the South Carolina primary, a crucial early contest, they make up somewhere between 19% and 24% of Democrats nationwide. Yeah. In the past two YouGov polls, Sanders has averaged just 5% with black voters. It's not good, and it's perplexing to me because he really is the go-to candidate on black issues. He has a lifetime track record of standing up for equality and, you know, black issues. He's he's the guy. So according to 538, there are also other indications that Sanders is unlikely to win the nomination. He hasn't won a single endorsement from a governor, senator, or a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Right. Unlike Obama at this point in the, in the 2008 campaign, Sanders is also well behind in the money race. Again, unlike Obama. These indicators haven't changed over the past month. It makes me, listen, I'm not a, <laughs> certainly not a Democrat and, and not a liberal, but uh, makes me kind of want to send him some cash, send him 50 bucks or something, because I'd like to see him stay in the race. I think that would be great. I know you think it would be great. I am shocked by you saying that. <laughs> well, it's not as a, a token of support, like, oh, I'd, well, one, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to put up with all the bullshit emails and letters that I'll be getting from the Democratic Party for the rest of my goddamn life. Uh-huh. But I'd like to see him stay in the race. <laughs> I think he, he serves a great purpose yeah. of elevating the conversation and elevating the tone because he's, he's a stand-up guy. All right. And one more thing, this just in. <laughs> Mike Huckabee has issued a, a statement of support for the aforementioned Kim Davis of Rowan County, Kentucky. Yeah, it doesn't stop with Josh Duggar. He likes child molesters and bigots alike. He's no respecter of persons, Brittany. That's a Bible. That's a Bible word. Token. Little uh, little Bible nugget for you. Little okay. drop. All right. Yeah. So he made a Facebook post. And he says, I spoke with Kim Davis this morning to offer my prayers and support. I let her know how proud I am of her for not abandoning her religious convictions and standing strong for religious liberty. She is showing more courage and humility than just about any federal office holder in Washington. Kim is asking the perfect question. Under what law am I authorized to issue homosexual couples a marriage license? That simple question is giving many in Congress a civics lesson they never got in grade school. The Supreme Court cannot and did not make a law. They only made a ruling on a law. Congress makes the laws. Because Congress has no law allowing for same-sex marriage, Kim does not have the constitutional authority to issue a marriage license to homosexual couples. Kim is a person of great conviction. When people of conviction fight for... Four marriages. Great conviction about what and what is not an abomination and a biblical fundamental principle. Go ahead, sorry. When people of conviction fight for what's right, they often pay a price. But if they don't and we surrender, we will pay a far greater price for bowing to the false god of judicial supremacy. Government is not God. No man and certainly no unelected lawyer has the right to redefine the laws of nature or of... Anyway, it goes on for a while, so I'm not going to read the rest of it. But he stands with Kim Davis and every American of faith under attack by Washington elites who have nothing but disdain for us, our faith, 
and the Constitution. Of course. Because he is a constitutional scholar, Brittany, ordained minister, Mike Huckabee from Arkansas. It's just, uh, it's it's hard to watch the video of how she's treating people and then say you stand with her and that she's courageous and that she has humility. Um, did you watch the same video I did in terms of how she's treating other human beings? Right. Because... He's hedging his bets, but he's betting on the wrong horse. It's a little alarming. Yeah, for sure. So a recent study published in the journal Science, they had aimed to replicate about 100 studies and they only succeeded at replicating 36 or 37%. The idea arose amid a growing concern that psychology has a false positive problem. That means finding a significant result where there is none. In recent years, important findings in the field have called into question when follow-up studies failed to replicate them, hinting that the original studies may have mistaken spurious effects for real ones. The quote from the project leader, Brian Nosek, says, The idea was to see whether there was a reproducibility problem, and if so, to stimulate efforts to address it. In total, 270 co-authors and 86 volunteers contributed to this effort. Failing to replicate does not mean that the original study was wrong or even flawed, the director told 538, and the objective here wasn't to overturn anyone's results or call out particular studies. The project was designed to conduct fair and direct replications, quote, Before we began, we tried to define a protocol to follow so that we could be confident that every replication we did had a fair chance of success. So despite the careful planning, less than half of the replication studies produced the original results. While 97% of the original studies produced significant results with a significant p-value, the p-value is a statistical term, and when you run your statistical analysis, you should get a p-value that is less than 0.05 in order for it to be significant. So in these studies, only 36% of the replication studies got a significant result. Huh. So that doesn't look great. And a lot of the popular media has been reporting. Well, not a lot of it. Okay, there's well, some... Hasn't, hasn't even, sorry, but hasn't even... People have shared this with you, both privately and publicly, in kind of a dickish way, like, oh, look at this, psychology, right? I mean, that's the way I've looked at it when these in different individuals have shared it with you. Well, I've seen popular news headlines saying, see, psychology is a bunch of psychobabble after all. And that's not necessarily what this is indicating. Yeah. Like the director said, this isn't necessarily representative that the studies in question did something wrong or that there you know, was fraud or something like that. A University of Virginia graduate student who did one of the studies that failed to replicate the original was quoted in 538 as saying, good colleagues that I respect a lot think the sky is falling down, but I don't agree. Some published results probably are false, but in many cases, the original study may simply have overestimated the effect size or the phenomenon is found only under particular conditions that haven't been identified yet. Digging into these problems doesn't weaken psychology, it strengthens it. I'm really proud of our field for trying to push forward to make our science better. And I really like that quote. That's from Elizabeth Gilbert. And I think that that is the most important takeaway, that this adds to science. This isn't taking something away from the field. This isn't saying that psychology is weak or that it has a, it's just psychobabble, that it's you know a soft science. It's 
how are we going to deal with this issue of of replication? Right. And some people have suggested things that I, I think sound great. There's an alternative. It's called registered reports. And they're one approach to reducing reproducibility problems that have been adopted at more than a dozen journals. In a registered study, protocols, methods, and data analysis plans are registered and peer-reviewed before data is collected. So you wouldn't just do your study, write it up, and then submit it to a journal to get approved. You would you would register your study. You would indicate what protocols you're using, what methods you're using, what kind of how you'll analyze your data. And then people will assess how you plan to run your study before you even collect your data. So there's no you, there's no way to manipulate your data after you've started the study. Right, because that's another issue that science is having is this this phenomenon of p-hacking where you adjust the parameters of your statistical analysis until you get a statistically <laughs> significant p-value we're, we're getting a little deep in the nerd territory i mean maybe that's that's probably it's good for you and your there's probably a, a large swath of our audience that is getting what you're saying but I, i'm just a simple dumb guy so <laughs> well well it is a bummer because this this p-hacking or doing something to manipulate the p-value to get a statistical significance that's a problem and you know that may be what contributed to this 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 issue we don't really know for sure but but ultimately isn't this the takeaway here is this is how science works right this is science correcting itself this is this is an advancement this isn't something that's negative and and i don't see it as negative i think there are some people that see it as negative and and that's fine but this is a place to grow from and i well, think it's good science isn't religion science builds upon itself and corrects itself where it needs to and this is exactly what's happening here it's a correction is it not hopefully yeah, yes that's good all right well let's wrap it up with a little bit of florida files All right, well, leave it to Florida to try to mash together two things that really don't go together. There is a Florida gun manufacturer that is imprinting Bible scriptures, or one particular Bible scripture, on the lower receiver, on the on the rifle, of uh, these, these assault weapons that they are manufacturing. There was an interview done with their, I guess, chief designer or some marketer or somebody who's high enough up in the company to be a spokesman. And they asked him about this, and this is the the drivel that he gave. Globally, Islamic terror is the terror that's gripped the world, and it's the one that's most dear to my heart and our corporation because of our ties to the military and people who have served over there in those conflicts. The Crusader, I came on board in... February last year, and my boss asked me what kind of input I had into making a, a rifle in terms of performance and whatnot and what have you. And I had just been uh, watching the news that morning as ISIS was murdering innocent people. And particularly, they were using American-made and American-purchased weapons that had been in Iraqi hands. And I was furious and just off the cuff, I said, I'd, I'd like a gun that if a Muslim terrorist picked it up, a bolt of lightning would hit him and, and knock him dead. Um, emotional 
in the moment, but we kind of had the idea that we wanted to make a gun that people of like minds would purchase. How do you control that? How do you, how do you kind of control who your customer is? It was very difficult to put this together in a way that we believe doesn't come across as bigoted. Um, we have friends who are Muslims. I've lived in the Middle East. Um, most Muslims are good people. And I think we're just kind of expressing a shared uh, outrage that America's feeling um, about the fact that Islamic terror is coming to the United States. We believe it is. It is here. And it's tearing up Europe. It's in Indonesia, and the, the, the Arabs themselves are, they, their entire area is on fire. And we, we, we're just speaking out to say that we, we're aware of it, and we're going to do what we can about it. Why do you think that this would uh, keep uh, Muslims or someone, you know, the objectionable uh, terrorists from using this? For the same reason I wouldn't purchase something that had the Quran on it. It's like how to express that while I, I, am, I am of Christian faith mm -hmm. and I do not believe the Quran, um, I don't hate them, I don't prejudge them, but I do believe that Islamic terror globally is a, a threat to humanity mm -hmm. in, in everywhere, in Europe, everywhere. And I think and one of our, our narratives that we've gone through here is that we're not having a discussion as a nation. So <laughs> if you got anything from that, I can tell you that the only thing I took away from that is and whatnot and what have you. You know, I was developing a gun and whatnot and what have you. What not and what have you. And blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Yeah, Psalms 144.1, that is the scripture that is on the assault weapon. Mm -hmm. It's bizarre. And, and whatnot and what have you. And whatnot and what have you. <laughs> leave it to Florida, everybody. I mean, leave it to, there's more than one state this could have come out of. However, for the purposes of our humble little podcast... <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely going to show up in the Florida files. So bizarre. Again, bizarre. I don't understand mixing those two flavors. There's a quote in this article that says, quote, men like to accessorize their guns more than women like to accessorize their outfits. Uh, Apparently having a laser laser etched scripture is an accessory for yeah. a gun. He's real proud of it, too. And because he wouldn't pick up a gun with a Quran on it, not a Quranic scripture, but a Quran, he said. Anyway, hillbillies abound in the lovely state of Florida. The weapon, by the way, apparently costs anywhere from 960 to about $3,000. Probably more with the holy scripture. That is expensive. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, with that, we are going to leave you. We love you. We appreciate you for listening as much as you do twice a week or once a week or once a month. Any time that you spend listening to the show is time well spent, and we appreciate the support. If you would like to support the show other than listening any time that you do, you can visit dollamore.com, and on the left-hand side of the page there, there's an Amazon link that will take you through to amazon.com where you can buy and shop to your heart's content. You probably won't be able to buy a weapon with a scripture etched with a laser, laser into it. However, eh, it's, it's pretty good stuff. So 
Every little bit goes a long way, and if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not think of your favorite show filled with news news, and ridiculous comment? So until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Murder. <laughs>